Thank you for listening to this week's message from New Day Community Church in Vandalia. We hope this message encourages and blesses you. Look us up and contact us at newdaycommunity.org. We're continuing the series on money. Have you enjoyed this month so far? Has it been good? I don't know about you, I'm really thankful to go to a church where they're not afraid to do a series on money or, you know, back in September, sex. These are issues that are important to the world we live in today, and I think it's important that the church addresses them so that we've got a strong foundation when we're out there at work, at school, interacting with people who don't necessarily go to church to have a good foundation to interact with them from. So it's been really good. Um, Could you flip the TVs to the... Slide thing. So um, we're continuing the series. I believe, what was it, three weeks ago now was the start of the series here in Vandalia. And you guys started out with Pastor Cameron um, talking about tithing. And then two weeks ago, Graham and Jill talked about money as a relationship. Is that a new idea for anyone? Did it make you think a little bit? Think about money like you think about a friendship or, or another relationship? I thought that was good. And very interesting. And then last week, Pastor Cameron was back and talked about free will offerings. So we're going to build on that, wrap up this series this week. Um, if you don't know who we are, we're Bill and Marilee Menser, and we lead the healing and restoration team at New Day Community Church. So it's a prayer ministry. We meet with people. We encourage them. We pray with them. Um, and we kind of tackle heart issues and life issues um, from several different angles. And we're going to really talk about several of those today and how they relate to money. And I think there was an operator error on this end of the uh, cable, so we'll get the slides up in a minute. Thank you, Shad. <laughs> hey, look at that. Maybe. It's thinking. Well, anyway, the title of today's message is Heal- Healing and Restoration Money Edition. Did anybody ever used to watch that show, Extreme Makeover Home Edition, where they like do up a new house for the family and then they'd reveal it to them and it was a big deal and really fun? So that's where we got the, the idea for the title from. Hope you like it. All right, so let's intro what we're going to do today. So we said healing and restoration ministry. It deals with relationships, um, patterns of behavior, and belief systems, right? So have you ever felt a little stuck in life where you're like, oh, this thing just keeps happening. I can't seem to break this pattern or... You know, um, I'm having consistent trouble with this friendship or with my marriage or whatever the relationship is. Well, that's what healing and restoration ministry is all about. That's what going after inner heart healing is all about, is getting to those root issues that cause those trouble so that we can get free and live a freer, happier, more abundant life. So we want to apply that to money today and talk about how healing and restoration topics and perspectives can help us with our finances. Oh. Clicked one too many there. So I propose that many money issues are actually heart issues. There are some basics, you know, like knowing how to do a budget. Like, oh, should I use Google Sheets or Microsoft Excel to build my, you know, my budgeting spreadsheet? Okay, those are pretty practical and simple. But when it comes to like, Man, I seem to over. I have a budget. I know what I'm supposed to do, but I keep overspending every month, and I just can't seem to quit doing that. I would say that that's most likely got a deeper issue going on. There's something in, in the heart and soul that can be addressed that would actually help you stick to the budget, for example. 
And so we kind of base this on the verse where Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, that um, money issues, how we spend, how we save, can actually be a signpost that points back to our heart and what's going on deep inside. All right, so before we get into the specific topics, we have a handout for you. We are going to, spoiler alert, give you the notes for this sermon um, today. It's six pages, so if I'm on page two and we're 20 minutes in, you know I'm running way behind. And the donuts may be calling your name, but we're only on page two. Likewise, if we get to page four or five and it's 10 minutes early, get yourself ready for some donuts, people. I thought that'd be a handy thing. It even says at the bottom, page one of six. So, like, you can track and know how we're doing. little feature, a little benefit for you today. So we're just going to walk through this, um, this document today. Grab a pen if you've got one handy. There'll be some opportunities for you to kind of jot down your thoughts and your notes in here. Um, <clears throat> and try to get your mind thinking about money from a healing and restoration perspective. So as you pull out your pens and you look at your sheet, there on the first page, we've kind of got a starter question to get you going. It says, write up to five statements that describe how you feel about money or your financial life. A couple of examples. Oh, I never seem to have enough. Or I live with constant financial tension. Or I'm a generous person. They can be positive. They can be negative. It could be indifferent. I don't really think about money. Whatever it is, just kind of write down about three to five right now to get you thinking. And then we'll jump back into the sermon after you get a minute to think. All right. Well, uh, hopefully you were able to think of a few and maybe you can um, add to that list later as something else comes to mind. Um, But I love thinking about um, our relationship with money and that we can have healing in our relationship with money. That's so freeing um, to not feel like you have to be stuck in something for the rest of your life. Um, So the first healing and restoration tool that we're going to apply to money is ungodly beliefs. It's the first one there on your sheet, so we're going to go through that. Um, Ungodly beliefs are lies that we believe about ourselves, about others, and about God that are not in agreement with God's word, his nature, or his character. They affect our behavior, decisions, and relationship with money. And... um, a couple of scriptures that that uh, speak to the concept of ungodly beliefs. Luke six forty five says, "For out of the mouth speaks what the for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of," and so um, you know we can, based on what we say, the things that come out of our mouth, it really reveals what we really believe. And a lot of times, if if we were to sit down and write out our theology. We would certainly say things like, you know, God is good, God is faithful, God is love. Up here we believe that, but but maybe in a circumstance in life, something comes out of our mouth, something comes out of us that reveals, oh, we don't actually think he's loving all the time. You know, and so there can be a, a disagreement sometimes between um, our heart belief and in our, our theology and what we know is true. And so um, for what comes out of our mouth can help us um, reveal those things. And then John 8, 31. Well, that's not right. 31 to 21. 
<laughs> hmm. <laughs> and it's also version NIVJ. Who knows what that one is? <laughs> that li- Hopefully that's our only uh, line with typos in our, in our sheet here. Okay, if you hold true to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And so um, a, a big part of all of these prayer tools that we're going to give you today is being filled with the truth from God and, and hearing from him what is the truth to replace you know, the lie or the thing that we were believing. And um, his truth that fills us, that's really what sets us free. Um, okay, so let's look at some examples as it applies to money. So a lie could be, I will never have enough money. And, and that's a fear-based um, thought, right? Just kind of afraid maybe this person grew up not having enough or not having a lot. And, and so they just kind of decided and agreed with, I'm never going to have enough. And, um, and so they kind of have that fear over them in their life. And that would... Con- that would um, cause them to to live and act certain ways um, that would not be great. Okay, how about another one? God's not going to come through. Um, and there again, you could just this person could just have a fear that it's going to it's all up to them to provide because God's not going to come through. Maybe there was a time in their past where um, you know they were let down. And, and they felt that God didn't come through for me. And so um, this could be an ungodly belief that they have regarding money. And so they would just have a hard time trusting God and feel like it was all up to them. Um, or I hate money. Um, someone could feel that if they maybe grew up in a home where money was a big cause of contention, constantly causing fights between family members and so this person was just like I just hate it it just causes trouble I don't want anything to do with it and so they just kind of disengage um, with something that is actually you know meant to be um, a, a spiritual gift that we can use to honor God um, so that lie would hold them back um, maybe someone could could have the ungodly belief. I feel guilty for having a lot of money. You know, we know that we're the richest country in the world. And then you could, someone could just feel like, I just kind of feel guilty because why did I get so blessed and just feel bad about it and could make you shrink back from, you know, really using what he's given you to, to make a difference because of shame. Um, Money corrupts could be an ungodly belief. Having a lot of money is bad. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a lie. Or I'm such a dummy when it comes to money. That kind of rhymes. I'm such a dummy when it comes to money. Okay. Um, you know, if anyone feels, like, stupid in an area, that's just not going to be great in their life. It's going to hold them back. Um, and so if somebody, you know, maybe they made a mistake and they did something dumb with money at one point and, and then they adopted that lie, I am bad with money and, you know, I'm such a dummy with money or whatever. And, and then um, that's going to really hold them back from, from doing a good job stewarding their money and um, growing in that area. So 
If you've identified a lie that you believe, if we turn the page, this is the prayer that you can pray. So let's pick one and then go through it. Um, which one did you like? It's God's like, not going to come through. Okay, God's not going to come through. Ooh, I, I think I prayed through this at one point. This is, this is a good one. Okay. So um, you would pray, Father, I confess my sin of believing the lie that you're not going to come through for me. And then this next bit is in italics. Whenever there's italics, that's a direction for you to do, something for you to ask the Holy Spirit for something to you to do. So you, you would take a minute there and wait on the Holy Spirit, ask him to show you a memory where this first came from. And then surrounding that whole idea of he's not going to come through for me, as he brings that memory and as he brings people to mind, I would begin to forgive anyone involved, including myself, um, and also to forgive anyone who's reinforced that lie. So I might say, I confess my sin of believing the lie that you're not going to come through for me. And where did that come from, God? And then he just maybe starts to bring to mind where, um, you know, I didn't have enough money to pay for something that I needed and I just felt like I wasn't provided for or, um, you know, just that I was alone in this. And so, you know, Father, I just... Um, I just perceived that you let me down. I know you don't make mistakes, but I perceived that you did, and I held it against you, so I release forgiveness towards you, Father, um, that you didn't come through for me, and I just forgive anyone else who contributed to that, you know, maybe, you know, um, a family member that could have helped and chose not to, or whatever. You just forgive the people involved. Um... And then continue the prayer of forgiveness. Forgive those who have contributed to my forming and reinforcing this ungodly belief. I ask you, Lord, to forgive me for receiving it, for living my life based on it, and for any way I've judged others because of it. I receive your forgiveness, and on the basis of your forgiveness, Lord, I choose to forgive myself for believing this lie. I renounce and break my agreement with this ungodly belief that you're not going to come through for me. I pray you would drain this lie out of every part of me. And, um, and then you can wait on the Holy Spirit and just say, Father, what is the truth? And, um, and then, you know, you can just, when you ask him questions like this, you want to probably have like a journal handy that you can just kind of get in a quiet, still um, situation and just um, kind of write down whatever comes to mind. He might bring a Bible verse to mind. He might um, show you a picture in your mind's eye. Um, you might just have a sense of something. A word might just kind of come to mind, a single word or a single phrase. Just write that down, and then later you can test it against Scripture, bring it to um, a spiritual mentor, and make sure that it really does line up, and yeah, that really was God, you know. Um, but he wants to speak to us. He says, um, my sheep... Hear my voice. My sheep know my voice. And so we're his sheep, and, and um, he's speaking. We want to know his voice. So you ask him the truth. What is the truth? And he might say, um, he might show you that he was present in that time and, and show you where he was or what he was doing or, or cause you to remember something that you had forgotten like a week later you had got some sort of gift or some kind of thing, and you're like, wow, you, you provided 
not in the way I thought, but you really did provide. And so the truth is that you are, you, um, you do see I'm not alone and, and you provide for me. So then you would choose to accept, believe, and receive the godly belief um, that you do come through for me, that you provide for me. And I receive this truth into every part of me. And then there's a, and then you ask him another question. So does that help to kind of run through one to see what that might look like? Awesome. All right, Bill's going to lead us through the next tool. All right, so now we're on page three of your handout, and we're going to talk about judgments and expectancies. A judgment is a condemning opinion of someone. It's often a sinful reaction to hurts or difficult situations from our past. And an expectancy is a habitual way of looking at things or people which can become like a self-fulfilling prophecy. By these, we unconsciously cause people to fulfill our notion of how we think life will go. So kind of the theme of both of these is that um, if you have these operating in your life, you get trapped or locked into um, a way of living. Or it would actually feel like outside circumstances always keep happening to you in the same way. But it's actually an outcome of what's going on inside our own heart, either through a judgment or an expectancy. And so we'll give some examples and talk about what that is. But let's share the biblical basis for this idea. In Matthew 7, Jesus said, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. Pretty straightforward verse there. I think that describes it. And then in Galatians, it says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. And um, you know what? In life, particularly when we're... um, young, things happen to you, and you are planting seeds whether you realize it or not. (laughs) You're walking through life with a bag of seeds with a hole in the bottom sometimes. (laughs) You don't realize it, but you're planting things that then sprout, take root, and and, and yield fruit in your life. And so um, we end up reaping the results of things that happen in our formative years a lot of times. And then that continues through all of life. When you're real intentional about it and you're like, you know what, I'm going to sow something good because I want to reap something good. That's not where things tend to go wrong. It's the ones you don't even think about, right? When a situation comes up, someone, you know, uh, cuts you off on a highway and they're of a certain gender and you go, oh, those guys always drive so aggressive. Or, oh, women drivers. It can go either way, right? <laughs> it definitely can, you know? And you didn't even think about it. You just got it cut off on the street. You didn't go, oh, you know, I've, I've studied things, I've gone to sociologists, and we've decided, based on empirical data, that actually men do drive more aggressively and tend to follow closer to the rear bumper of the car in front of them. You don't, like, sow something there real intentionally. You just go, look at that dude, that's ridiculous. But then you start thinking that all men drive like that. Maybe. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. (laughs) But you're going to start responding in that way. And so with judgments and expectancies, it's kind of those unplanned sowings that we reap back. And there's two ways you can reap a judgment. Typically, you will either do the thing that you really hated somebody else doing, or you will find other people in your life doing the thing that you hated somebody doing. Okay, so it's like the, the kid who grows up with an alcoholic father and makes a judgment that, 
that was so horrible. Dad was like that. True, but the spiritual dynamic of judging dad could be reaped in two ways for that person. One, even though they hated alcoholism, they could run into life issues, struggle, not know what else to do, and just kind of out of what was trained in them or what they saw growing up, and that judgment become an alcoholic themselves. And so they're reaping what they sowed by doing the very same thing. The other example is, same thing, alcoholic father, judgment's made, grow up, marry somebody who seems like a great person, and lo and behold, they become an alcoholic five years later, and you're living with an alcoholic. So you're reaping through someone else the thing that you judged in another. Does that make sense? Two ways to reap? All right. So we want to look at this in the, in the financial life. We can make judgments about finances or other people and how they handle their finances that could cause us to reap things that are undesirable in our own life. Um, so we can look for recurring financial situations, habits, or conflicts where things are not going well and try to go back and go, is there a judgment or an expectancy there that's causing me to get this unwanted bad fruit in my life? Um, and so let's do a few examples on the bottom of page three there. Let's say I judged someone for being stingy. Let's say, uh, let's make up an example. Let's say I had a rich uncle and he would come over every Christmas, join the family, but he gave the lousiest gifts, right? And so I just judge him. I'm like, he's got all that money and he gave me like, you know, a $1 bill. Yeah, socks. <laughs> he gave me socks. He had way more to spend than that. And so I judge him for being stingy. Now I find myself worrying about not having enough and I really have trouble being generous. Now I'm the uncle who shows up to Christmas and my nieces and nephews go away grumbling, Uncle Bill, that give very good gifts. You know, maybe I find now that I want to be generous, but I just, that worry creeps in like, oh, if I'm generous, I'm not going to have en enough for da-da-da-da-da, this is coming up later, oh, next month looks like it might be tight. I'm not sure what the income's going to look like at the job, and so I better give a small gift this year. But then it kind of drives you nuts. You're like, man, why can't I be more generous? could be a judgment, and if you clear up the judgment, you can be free to be more generous. All right, let's look at the next example. Say I judged my parents for mismanaging money when I was a kid. Now my spouse won't engage with budgeting and overspends every month. So this is a, a funny one to think about. My frustration with my spouse about his or her spending or lack of willingness to budget could actually be, I could be contributing to it for my own hard issues, right? If I judge my, pan my parents for mismanaging money, I might be like so all over budgeting, so over the top into it that I drive my spouse nuts and they don't want anything to do with budgeting anymore. It's not because they don't want to follow a budget. It's because I'm driving them nuts because of my own heart condition. So if I could actually recognize that, clear up the judgment against my parents, maybe I could calm down a little bit and make space in the marriage for my spouse to engage with budgeting, feel like they can. So you see how the first one was, I reaped what I sowed by doing the very same thing I didn't like. And the second one, I reaped through my spouse the thing I didn't like before. If that made sense, nod your head in this direction. If it didn't make sense, go like this. Just uh, lots of up and downs. Okay, good, good, good. All right, third example. I didn't have much money in early adulthood, and I made an expectancy that, quote, unquote, I'll never have enough and will always have to do without the finer things. Now, even though I make more money, I never seem to have any left for extras. 
So this is to give you a flavor for the expectancy, which is a little different than a judgment, but similar. It's kind of this judgment about environments instead of people like, you know what? I'm just never going to have enough is an expectation. And if I set that up in my life, I end up without realizing it, acting in ways that yield the result of me never having enough. That's that self-fulfilling prophecy. If you take that belief on and you latch onto it, even if you don't realize it, it ends up coming true. And it's just yucky. We don't want the yuck. <laughs> we want to be free to steward our money in ways that, that God would have us and, and be available for his blessing um, as well. All right, so let's flip the page to page four. And I'm not going to read the whole prayer here just in the interest of time because you know the time and the page number. You know I need to speed through this one. But when you later find a judgment that you want to pray through, there's two prayers here. The top paragraph is if you find you're doing the very thing you judged in another person, you would pray through that top section. And the second one is if you're reaping through somebody else the judgment. So if I'm really frustrated with Marilee in the area of money, I would pray the second paragraph about my own judgment. <laughs> and I would refrain from praying that God heal her because it's my issue. If I'm doing the thing I don't like, I'd pray the first paragraph. Does that make sense? One or the other. Similar to ungodly beliefs, there's a italics at the bottom about asking God, what is your truth? What's a different way that I can behave now that you're freeing me from this judgment? Cool? All right, Marilee, next topic. All right, our final topic. And I'm hoping that those of you who are familiar with healing and restoration, you are um, getting a fresh flavor because we're applying it to money. And those of you who, this is maybe the first time that you've heard about healing and restoration, um, these topics don't have to just apply to money. They can apply to any lie, any judgment, anything. So you can you know, still use these prayers if, if other things, if the Holy Spirit brings other things to mind as well. So the last one is generational money issues. So um, we learn from the Bible that people inherit blessing and iniquity from their ancestors. And through prayer, inherited iniquity can be canceled because of the righteousness of Jesus and what he did on the cross. Um, and and this, this whole um, concept of generational um, influences from our ancestors, it's a great picture of the love of God and the justice of God going hand in hand. Um, let me read this verse here in Exodus 34. And he passed in front of Moses, this is God, passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Okay, that's the love part, right? Here's the justice in perfect hand in hand. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. And this is not surprising because we know sin has consequences. It just does. If I sin in the area of money, my children will be affected. If I squander all of our money, they're they're going to be affected. If, if we are really good stewards of our money and, you know, they're going to be affected, they're going to have, be able to have the blessing. And so 
what we do affects the generations after us. Um, and then, so we have this, this promise of God, right, to bless for thousands of generations and to, um, to not, and to punish for three to four generations. Ooh, what if we're in the three to four generation uh, area here. Well, this is what we can do. In Leviticus 26, it says, if they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers, then I will remember my covenant with Jacob. And what was the covenant with Jacob? It was the, it was the promise of God to provide, to protect them, to prosper them, to um, make their, their name known and just all these great blessings and so he will restore and forgive um, when we confess so here's some examples of generational sins regarding money and i want you to think about this in regards to your parents your grandparents you know you hear stories about grandparents maybe you don't know them real well but you know you can kind of pick up some dynamics um from hearing stories. So there could be a generational sin of greed um, that's passed through or um, selfishness or just fear around money, um, being filled with doubt or, or having pride around money, shame, control, wanting to control any purchases or anything to do with money, um, jealousy or envy, just constantly wanting what other people have and and, and, and just being consumed with thinking about that um, excessive debt, um, stealing and being dishonest with money, um, being irresponsible. There could be a generational um, thread of just, yeah, just being careless and irresponsible. Um, and there's a few more. So um, I want to just give you guys a chance now to jot down. Do you see any unhealthy thought patterns or behaviors regarding money in your parents or grandparents that you realize you've inherited? So just take a minute and answer these questions. <laughs> Hold up. We'll see whose list is the longest. Hold it up. If you have the longest <laughs> list, you get a prize. We're not planning to collect these. It's not a, not a test. <laughs> And Lou had a great question, like, what if you just don't know? Like, maybe you don't know one of your parents or your grandparents or whatever. So in that case, what I would say is through your relationship with God, as you're praying and spending time with him, you can ask him, would you just highlight to me if there's anything that, that's, that I'm being influenced by from, from my ancestors and he can reveal it to you. He can make you aware of it. Or if you have an area in your life that you feel really affected by, you know, just a constant desire to kind of steal or whatever it might be, you can ask the Holy Spirit, is this a generational thing? And just go ahead and pray it. It's not like it's going to be bad to pray through it. And um, most likely you'll, you'll gain some freedom. So let's, um, let's, let's just run through the prayer here and then we'll wrap up. So once you've identified a generational issue, we're on the last page, you pray this prayer to break it. So let's say the general, generational issue is, well, you guys pick one. What? How about worry? It's 
fretting. Worry, fretting about money. Oh, that's a good one. Okay, so Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus. I acknowledge and repent for my sins and my ancestors' sins in the area of worrying about money to where it just consumes us, Father, and we're just in fear and constantly worrying about this. And then um, spend plenty of time listing the issues and situations where this sin played out. So you can go back through different memories and say, God, I remember when, you know, this happened and that happened. And um, the, the worry just ended up really affecting our decisions and kind of held us back. And, it, you know, you just kind of spill it all out before him so that you can just kind of get that all out, right? Because you're going to, you're repenting on their behalf. So you want to just kind of lay it all out before him. So and then you continue praying, I confess these sins before you. I disagree with them. Instead, I agree with you, God. I sever all ties with this ungodly part of my natural heritage. And I place the cross of Jesus into my family line and pray a washing and a cleansing over myself and my family line. In the name of Jesus, I command all demonic, spirit, demonic spirits assigned to perpetuate this in my family line, out of my life, out of my thoughts, out of my perceptions of myself and others, out of my feelings and emotions, out of my relationships, out of my ways of relating to others, away from my marriage or potential marriage, away from my children or potential children, out of my destiny and calling, and completely out of my future. So it's just such a powerful prayer, so awesome. Um, and then there again, don't just stop there. Sometimes people stop there. you got to get the truth to replace it. This is the best part. So, Father, what's the truth that you'd like to reveal now about our identity and our generational line now? And you can see him or sense him or he'll tell you or bring a verse. And, uh, you know, just placing instead of that worry and fret about money, just, um, just placing peace about money and trust into, that, into, into you and into your family line as an inheritance for your children. Um, and so then you would thank him for that truth and you would receive that truth and, um, and then begin to live your life, life based on it. Is that good? All right, you guys yes. can use this for any area that's generational. It doesn't have to just be money. The last thing on the page we're not going to go through. It's just a great resource for you. 11 truths found in the Proverbs relating to money. Um, so if this month has really... <laughs> you know, piqued your interest and everything. Here's some study you can do on your own and, and uh, continue growing in that area. All right. Would you stand with me? We're going to close. And in closing, I just wanted to point out that the Bible says it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. So we cover a lot of negatives when we talk about healing and restoration because we're trying to dig up and uproot the negatives and get them out. But the purpose of God is not to shame you not to make you feel awful, but that he sees you being free, being um, let out of the traps that we're sometimes stuck in. And that's what he's after. That's what he's really excited about. That's the heart of God. So let's just pray a prayer that says, God, you're welcome in my wallet. And God, I want to be open-hearted and open-handed um, with you when it comes to money. Does that sound good? All right. Father God, we, we come to you to say that, God, as a church and as individuals and as families, God. We are want to be open to you completely, God. We want to um, not hide 
from you out of fear or, um, or anything else. But God, we want you in because we believe that you're good and that you want good for us. So if we let you into our heart in the area of money, God, good things are going to happen. We just open up to you now in Jesus' name. We let you in. God, we say, have your way. Let the things surface that need to surface so that we can deal with them and live more free, God. We just trust that you are a good God, that you have blessing for us, not curses. You have provision for us and that we can rely on you. Thank you for this whole month on this series. We pray that it would yield good fruit in our lives and in our church. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so just before you're dismissed, don't forget there is a prayer team available for you on this side of the stage and the Rhema team because it's Communion Sunday. So check those out, enjoy the refreshments, and spend some time together. It was great to see you.